Hey everyone, I'm JR, and this is one of Mike's mini history lessons. Mike has been getting asked a lot about the Supreme Court battle, and now that Amy Coney Barrett has been confirmed to the Supreme Court without a single Democratic vote in favor, Mike decided to do a little research. And to his surprise, he found that this trend of partisan divide is not new at all. Here is an unbiased, fact-based historical account. The framers of the Constitution envisioned a Supreme Court that would be largely outside of politics, protecting Americans' liberties. Alexander Hamilton, for instance, declared that a limited Constitution can be preserved in practice no other way than through the courts of justice. Hamilton went on to explain that the courts must declare all acts contrary to the Constitution void. Without this, all the reservations of particular rights or privileges would amount to nothing. That was why the framers created the judiciary, specifically the Supreme Court, as part of the Constitution, so its authority would have the same origin as the executive and legislative branches of government. Yet, battles over Supreme Court nominations began not long after the Constitution took effect in 1789, and, as we've all seen, continue to the present day. But most of them weren't over ideals or constitutional principles like those Hamilton had mentioned, or even concerns about nominees' potential involvement in corruption. Instead, they were about the one thing they were never supposed to be about, partisan politics. A statistical analysis conducted at LaGrange College reveals that many Supreme Court nomination battles were political, and often depended on whether the president's party also had control of the U.S. Senate. Let's look back at the early days of the United States. Even George Washington, the first president of the United States, faced a political conflict over a Supreme Court nominee. In 1795, Washington nominated South Carolina Judge John Rutledge to be Chief Justice. Rutledge had actually been an Associate Justice of the Supreme Court from 1789 to 1791, when he resigned to take a leading role in the courts of his home state. That means he had already been once confirmed by the Senate. But when it came time for the Senate to vote on Rutledge's reappointment to the court's most senior position, senators rejected him. After his nomination, but before their vote, Rutledge had spoken out against a treaty with Great Britain, which Washington had supported and the Senate had just ratified. The Senate's own history reports, in turning down Rutledge, the Senate made it clear that examination of a nominee's qualifications would include his political views. Sometimes, conflict was high. From 1844 to 1861, for instance, twice as many nominees were denied the higher court than were confirmed. In the modern era, a 1968 filibuster blocked Abe Fortas from becoming the nation's first Jewish chief justice, Ronald Reagan's nomination of Robert Bork was rejected in 1987, and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell blocked Barack Obama's nomination of Merrick Garland in 2016, ironically enough, because it was an election year and the Republicans argued that whoever wins the election should be the one to nominate the new judge. Donald Trump's nominations of Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh were also politically charged, and the only thing being discussed in the news of his newest nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, are her religious views and how they conflict with Roe v. Wade and her political affiliation and their opposition to Obamacare. For the record, though, 
most nominees are approved. In a look at the Supreme Court nomination votes through history, the same statistical analysis we mentioned earlier found that only 22.2% of the 153 nominations were not confirmed. From 1987 to the present, 21.4% of nominees were voted down, denied a vote or a hearing, forced to withdraw under pressure, filibustered, or otherwise denied a spot on the Supreme Court. That's not much lower than the average rate of Supreme Court rejections across the nation's history. But if you backtrack a little further, from 1968 to 2019, 26.9% were rejected or otherwise cast out, including the failed promotion of Fortas in 1968. There's nothing unusually partisan about the current era. It's generally business as usual for both parties. But politics remains a key factor. In an analysis including 119 confirmations of a Supreme Court nomination, 114 justices have served and four associate justices with one justice, Edwin Stanton, confirmed in 1869 but dying before taking office. Of these successful nominations, 85.7% occurred when the presidency and the Senate were controlled by the same political party. When different parties control the White House and the Senate, it's much tougher to confirm a nominee, no matter how qualified or honest he or she may be. Less than half of all nominees to the highest court survived the partisan confirmation battles when the president's party didn't control the U.S. Senate. And that fits with research done by political scientists Charles R. Chapin and Megan L. Shannon, who found that the duration of the confirmation process increases as the ideological distance between the president and the Senate increases. Most recently, this happened in 2016 when Democratic President Barack Obama nominated appellate judge Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court. Republicans like Utah Senator Orrin Hatch even cited Garland as a good choice who could get confirmed, but Republicans controlled the Senate and refused to give him a hearing. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell claimed that the American people, through their approaching presidential vote, should have a say in the Supreme Court nomination. But when Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death created the exact same scenario in 2020, McConnell promised a swift vote for any nominee the Republican president might present. In openly politicizing the Supreme Court, McConnell is defying the founding fathers, but fits neatly into the historical trend. A qualified nominee from a president of an opposing party struggles to make headway, but anyone proposed by a president of the same party can expect a rapid vote in the Senate. Or at least that's the lesson you would get if Mike was your history teacher. <laughs>